Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 26th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. I hope everyone's having a great week. Things have been a little hectic here, but so far so good. Today's episode is a really, really good kind of short chat in the end after going through editing and stuff. But what I think is a really, really solid conversation with a magical creator of the month. And I really hope that everyone enjoys it. But before we get to that, it's time to discuss all the things I've been watching in the past week. I got to watch the Healing Good Precure movie. Healing Good Precure the movie. Go, go! Big transformation in the town of dreams. This is the movie for Healing Good Precure. Now, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Precure is a Magical Girl series that has two films a year. And this would usually be the movie that they would show in autumn because how it has been for ages is uh, that they would have a kind of what used to be the all-stars movies, but now we're just kind of a, a movie featuring several groups, several years worth of Precure. And then in the fall, they would have the next film. So uh, that would always be the film that was specific to the current season. Flingo Precure finished up at the end of February. February 21st was actually the last episode of that series. Of course, there was a delay due to COVID, and COVID is also the reason why we are getting this movie airing after the series had actually finished. There is a short film that is for Tropical Rouge Precure, the current season. That being said, it is, I believe, three minutes long. It is very, very short. I'm not going to get into any spoilers about that, but we didn't really see anything uh, new compared to what we had already seen in Tropical Rouge Precure, which so far is really exciting. In the latest episode, we got the final member of the current team. Likely there will be an additional member sometime in the future, as there is almost always for Precure. But for now, we have our team completed, uh, four members. So that was really exciting. And uh, as always, there is a hint or a clue at the very end of the film. It's usually set as a kind of announcement towards the next movie coming up, so that Anyone who watches this movie will get excited for the next one right away. And from this information, I'm already very excited. <laughs> yeah. So as far as the actual film itself, it's really, really good. Very exciting. There is a cameo from Yes Precure 5, though a lot of people do believe, and I'm kind of in the same camp here, that they didn't really have a very strong character-wise, uh, a very strong cameo so it, they appeared very shortly and they were kind of written in the plot to not participate for quite a lot of the movie so it is still very much a healing good movie and to be honest the way it's written it could have been anyone cameoing that being said for anyone who enjoys seeing this team fight you get to see a lot of that and that was very exciting and I'm going to get a little bit into 
that team in a bit. But yeah, so that was like the big, big thing for me. And I really, really enjoyed the movie. I cried a bunch. I had a lot of feelings. It was really, really sweet to watch. And uh, it just made me have a lot of feelings about the relationship between mothers and daughters, especially. So as someone who wants to be a mother, it's a, I had a lot of feelings. <laughs> yeah. But let's see what else have I watched. So of course, like I just mentioned before, I watched the latest Tropical Rouge Precure. It's really, really exciting to see the team completed. And I really, really enjoyed Kier Flamingo or Asuka. She's really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where this uh, series goes. I have really good feelings about it so far. And just to like finish up talking about Precure generally, I watched a little bit of Hug Precure. This is a series that was airing when I was too busy working to watch Precure. So I missed it at the time, but even at the time, I was always thinking, you know, this art style is so lovely and the character designs are super cute and I really really like the aesthetic of that season so I'm really excited to start watching it now for the first time again having a lot of feelings about motherhood <laughs> and the characters I'm really enjoying I've met everyone I've met Henri that was very exciting Henri is a very interesting character in general it's always I'm always personally focused on the representation of half Japanese characters in media or mixed Japanese characters and I found it very interesting because for anyone who doesn't really know about how it is in Japan we have a few different words that people like to use. To be honest they have all been coined by parents of mixed Japanese children as opposed to the children themselves so for that reason, I don't feel strongly about one word or the other being a better word. I think it's just up to the individual. We have uh, hafu, which comes from the word half. We have daburu, which comes from the word double. And we have ainoko, which means love child, which of course in English has a very different connotation, but different people prefer different terms. Personally, I use hafu when I'm talking in Japanese, but if someone calls me daburu, I'm not about to be offended. Ainoko, I that word I'm not really so fond of, but in any case, there is actually a scene in the beginning when they first meet Henri, and he explains that one of his parents is Japanese and one of his parents is French. I could go on forever about how mixed Japanese characters are often mixed with French specifically, but that's neither here nor there. So... Yes, so he introduces himself that way, and in response, I believe it is Hana, the main character, Kyuriel, who says, oh, so you're half, right? You're Hafu. And he says, no, I'm not half. I'm double. And I thought that was a very interesting thing, and she also apologized for that. So I don't actually know. I have to do some research as to what is being more commonly used these days. I'm used to hearing Hafu myself, but... I know that a lot of people do use Dabudu as well. Obviously, this is not a podcast for that, but it's something that's very fascinating to me, so I feel the need to bring it up. And I think that, you know, representation is important, something that we'll actually also get into later in this main chat of this episode. But yeah, so, so far, I'm really enjoying the characters and the dynamics and so on. And I do know some spoilers, but I am just going to keep watching and not try to get any extra information just yet. I watched a little bit of Yes Precure 5. So this is, of course, like many 
seasons. It's one I watched it at the time. I didn't very um, diligently watch it every week, mostly because of accessibility. I was living in the U.S. and I was in high school at the time. I believe they came out when I was 16. So I watched a bit of it, but I didn't finish it and I never watched Go Go either. So I decided after watching the movie, I just really missed those characters. So I rented the first volume only and was able to watch it. And he'll get into it whenever we talk about that season on the podcast. But I have a lot of feelings about Yes Precure 5 because of the main love story, which, as we will talk about again and again on this podcast, it's not good the way that it's portrayed. And I think that the dynamic would be fine, except that Coco, he is her teacher. So it really, really throws off the whole thing. If they had just made him another student, it would have just been a perfect romance because I love their dynamic generally. I felt very bad about feeling so strongly about them because I love them at the time as well. And at the time, I did not realize it was inappropriate because... It's like, well, he's not a real teacher. He's actually a fairy or whatever. It's like, yeah. So (laughs) it's a thing. It's very complicated, but I still found myself feeling the same way I did at the time, despite what I know to be morally incorrect, if that makes sense. So that's all the Precure I watch. It's a lot. Oh, I finished some series. So let's talk about those. I finished watching Shugo Kiara Doki, and it was really interesting this is definitely a series where I def- I want to read the comics in the future. I don't know if I would be able to rent them. I'm guessing it might be available in one of my local shops to rent those comics, but I'm not sure. Yeah, either way, I do want to read the Shigokara comics. And there is a slight continuation of the series in animated form, so I will be continuing on just to kind of finish the series. And then I also finished my rewatch of Panty and Stalking with Garter Belt. This is a 2010 series. Uh, I wanted to watch it. I want to revisit it because it's a series that is very unique. And I remember enjoying it a lot at the time. And I wanted to see if it still held up and everything. So it was very hard to find here. So I actually... A few months ago, I bought the Blu-ray disc. It's actually the U.S. release. So I do have it available in English and Japanese, but I rewatched it in Japanese. And yeah, it was very interesting to revisit. I mean, even at the time, I remember recognizing a lot of the problems or being uncomfortable with some stuff. But uh, yeah, 10 years makes a big difference. Actually, at the same time, I saw some rumors online of the possibility that it could come back. Even at the time that it was released, even at the very end of the last episode, they were suggesting that there would be a second season, but it just never came to fruition, and no one ever got an explanation as to why, but there seems to be something going on with the copyright for that series. Now, nothing is confirmed yet, but if there is anything confirmed, then I will definitely let everyone know here on this podcast. And the last thing I finished, actually, was Pre-Tier. So I'm trying to remember which episode it was that I said that I finished it, but I was... It wasn't that I was lying, but, like, I thought I was going to finish it. 
and then I didn't. So I didn't have time at that time, so I finally got around to finishing watching, I think it was like the last two episodes I hadn't watched yet. So I finished that up. Uh, of course, we did talk about Pre-Tier on the podcast a few weeks ago. That was very fun, and I really enjoyed that. My thoughts on it haven't changed at all. I think there were some small details that I noticed that I wish I had been able to mention when talking about it on the podcast, but, you know, that's just one of those things that uh, you can't really do much about. Oh, there are a few other things that watch. I watched a lot of stuff, you guys. I think I watched about one or two more episodes of Mucle Dreamy. So again, now that I have access to stream the series, I am trying to catch up slowly as Mucle Dreamy Mix is going to air next month. But I definitely won't catch up in time. Yeah, but I do want to continue to enjoy the series. It's just super cute and I love it. And right now, and even back when I was watching, I would occasionally watch an episode if I had the time. So I have watched a few things out of order. But I really, really love Asahi. I think he's just a cute little cinnamon roll. He reminds me a lot of Seiji from Happiness Charge Precure. And he's even better because he becomes a magical boy himself. I believe in, in recent episodes of Mucle Dreamy, he does get a little a bit of an upgrade. So that's really cool. I did see the outfit and it's very cute. <laughs> so I do hope to enjoy that more. I'm still continuing to watch Ojamajo Doremi a little bit every week. I think I mentioned it last week, but I just really adore the way that they focus on all these extra characters throughout Yes, I think I'm about two-thirds of the way through the series. I have rented a few more volumes, so I will definitely be going through those more uh, next week and so on and so forth. I probably will be finished sometime in the next few weeks, I would guess. It kind of depends on the rate at which I watch things. And, and the last thing I watched was... Miracle Tunes. So I think I mentioned it last week as well, but I watched the second volume of Miracle Tunes. And again, this is a live action series. So it's a very different in its portrayal of magical girls, especially because it's an idol magical girl series. It's got this different intention and the actions are very much like it's stock footage of the girls going through dances. It's really, really meant to be replicated by the audience members. The children watching this series, you want them to do the same things so that they can say, oh, I'm going to become Miracle Tunes. Or, And uh, some of the side characters are really cute. <laughs> Again, there's a half-Japanese character in this one, portrayed by a half-Japanese actor who I believe is fluent in English because there's this interesting thing where he does speak Japanese on occasion, but a lot of the time he's using English phrases and people respond to him as if he had just spoken in Japanese. Like, no one is acknowledging that he uses English a lot. And it's something that is just a small, like, hilarious thing. But I really enjoy it. And it's also, like, a an interesting way to uh, normalize his existence, if that makes sense. Because that is one thing that happens a lot. Well, not a lot, but it happens sometimes in fiction and it's not realistic at all because I can tell you from experience that it just comes up no matter where I go. But the idea of being in this situation where there's a half Japanese actor or actress who 
is just playing a Japanese role and no one is acknowledging that they are mixed. It's a little strange how it does make me feel a lot of things when I see that because it's not something that's actually possible. But anyway, so yeah, that is everything I watched. I'm also still reading the Fdariwa Precure novel, so that's fun. I am enjoying it for sure. Okay, so let's move on to the news. So big news again, Precure, which comes up almost every episode. I'm sorry if you're not a Precure fan. Fdariwa Precure has been one of the series that has been on Crunchyroll for a long time. For a long time, it was the only series available. That being said, the quality of the series was really questionable. So it was a legal stream, but it looked a lot like someone had digitized a VHS with bad subtitles on it. So now it is really nice and clean. The actual translations, I believe, are the same for the subtitles, but it looks a lot better. So I think that's really great because um, Precure fans want people to legally enjoy Precure. And, you know, I think that it's very important to show that you want this series to be enjoyed by uh, watching it through legal channels as much as possible. You know, the more that it is available, the more that people watch it in through legal means, I think it's really exciting. Also, location is expanding, I believe, for at least this season. I don't know about the other seasons of Precure. So one more thing um, in very different demographic news, there is Prisma Ilia. We haven't talked about this series much on the podcast, but um, this is Fate Khalid Liner Prisma Ilia. This is, a, I believe it's also a comic series that has been adapted into an animated series, but uh, uh, this is from the Fate series. Goodness, I don't even know much about the Fate series, but they have a lot of titles that start with Fate, and uh, it's a Magical Girl spin-off and parody, and it looks like there's going to be a new movie coming out. They have had several different iterations, as well as fil- other films, and they're releasing one that will be coming out. There's no date yet for it, but uh, it looks like it's going to be with the same director as previously. No licensing information quite yet, but it will be coming out sometime later this year in the third quarter, and it's called uh, Fate Khalid Liner Prisma Ilia Licht, the Nameless Girl. So that is very interesting. And uh, yeah, that's great for fans of that series. I believe it is unclear as to the time frame that it might actually be in between seasons. So that's also interesting as well. I will definitely expand the information that we know, like when we get an official date and everything, that would be pretty cool. But for now, that's all we know about that. So that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So with that, I believe it's time to get to today's topic. So today we have a creator episode, as we do always uh, every four weeks. So this is Kate Blast. This one is a Magical Girl comic that also is kind of infused with a whole lot of other things because it is a series that has magic and it also has aliens and demons and werewolves 
and it's just a whole great time. Our guest, the creator, Renny Jasanis, is really, really cool. She was so kind to talk to me, and we had a really great chat about not just the creation of her comic and her own inspiration, which also comes from a lot of series that I'm not as familiar with and I have to check out. But we also talk a bit about like how to handle the representation of characters in media. So yeah, I think that is everything I have to say. I think it's better to just listen to the conversation as it is. <laughs> I think, uh, again, it's kind of a short one compared to some other episodes. That being said, I do think it's very full of information. We mentioned a lot of different series. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be very fun. <laughs> so please enjoy my conversation with Renny Jasanis, the creator of Kate Blast. So today we're going to be talking with a Magical Girl creator. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Renny Jasanis. I uh, use the pronouns she, her, and I make the webcomic Kate Blast. Great, thank you. So this is a webcomic with its uh, own website, right? That is correct, yes. It's over on uh, kateblast.com. I still don't even know if I quite get what the title comes from exactly, and that's also exciting, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some fun back backup to that. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that as well. So what is your history with Magical Girls? So growing up, I read a lot of a lot of manga and watched what anime I could sneak in. Parents didn't let me watch a whole lot of TV. So it was a lot of on the manga side. And I was able to get copies of the Sailor Moon manga it was really my big introduction to Magical Girls when I was in high school. Mostly I fell a little bit out of it when I went to college. And then the couple of years after that, and then probably around 2014, I started really getting back into anime, into Magical Girls, re-watching Sailor Moon at that point as well, getting into Pretty Cure, Symphogear, I think, and Madoka came around those times, though I re only recently watched Madoka, and boy, what was I missing? <laughs> <laughs> and mm. uh, similarly, I was recently, uh, within the last couple of years, I was recommended Magic Knight Ray Earth, which absolutely was 100% up my alley. Mm. For me, my history was a lot of a little testing the waters growing up and then really diving in as an adult when I got really back into anime. Mm. And when I really started creating around the same time as well. Mm -hmm. I see. I guess that makes sense. I guess, uh, what would you say was the stuff you were watching early on? when you were kind of just dipping your toe into things. The first show that got me into anime in general was actually the Pokemon anime. Because uh, that oh, was okay. easy, very easily accessible. Hmm. It was on all basically half the cartoon channels uh, as a kid. That was really like, okay, this is this is really cool. And also as, as a young uh, LGBT person, definitely gravitated towards Jesse and James. <laughs> like I think half the queer community does. <laughs> yes, iconic it's true <laughs> and it was a lot of whatever was on toonami at the time hmm. they had some sailor moon on that but it was also a lot of cowboy bebop some dragon ball 
but mm. I didn't really like Dragon Ball that much personally. It was just this style wasn't for me. Mm. So I really sort of gravitated towards that Cowboy Bebop style. I have a passion for science fiction and that really struck a chord with me. Hmm. And then sort of when I got back into it six, seven, eight years after that, I remember one of the early animes I really got into when I started getting back into things was Symphogear, mm-hmm. um, which definitely is this fun mishmash of the holy trinity of magical girl mecha idol. Yeah. <laughs> All in one show. <laughs> We have not really gotten to talk about Symphogear yet on the podcast, but it is definitely a very interesting series for that. Yeah, reason. it's very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm, that sounds really interesting. These days, what are you usually watching? Right now, I'm currently on a watch of A Little Witch Academia, which I missed when it came out, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Hmm. I think the most recent that I completely watched through was... Madoka with Rebellion. Ah, okay. So that really got sort of a lot of creative juices going. Hmm. I also uh, recently, within the last couple months, watched all of uh, a show called Birdie the Mighty Decode, which isn't Ah. really a magical girl show, but it has aspects that tie into it. And it's an interesting show. Yes, yes. That shows, yeah, we have not talked about that one yet on the podcast, but that no. is an interesting show. <laughs> it's never, it hasn't come up yet. It's not, I don't know how popular it is, actually. No, it's very difficult to find. I know it just, it got off all the streaming services in the US. Oh. And uh, it's just basically, if you own the DVD, you can watch it, but <laughs> just unfortunate. And then I'm watching a lot of old OVAs from like 90s anime that I kind of missed. I've only watched the first episode of Card Captors, and I'm really getting into that. Oh, great. Yeah, there's a lot there to watch. So, yeah, there is. I'm very <laughs> excited for that. Yeah, great. So, of course, now you are very much in the world of magical girls and, of course, other genres of things. So, uh, how did that lead to you creating a magical girl comic? So, originally, I always wanted to make web comics or make comics uh, ever since I was young. Um, And I always wanted to have something very central to sort of who I am as a person, especially as a trans woman. And I really gravitated towards the magical girl genre as sort of like this, the motif of transformation for becoming sort of what your true power can be. So I really gravitated towards that kind of story and wanted to try and have something that had those elements in there and... Originally, I came up with the idea for the current comic, Kate Blast, while I was sort of muddling through a different idea and just started running with it a little bit more, where it was originally uh, supposed to be just a 30-page zine comic that I fell in love with the story, and all of a sudden it turned into 15, 20 chapters. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Sometimes it happens like that. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you fall in love with the story. You just got to run with it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I really wanted to touch on was there are not necessarily a lot of magical girl stories out there that star or focused on magical girls who are adults. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily like in the adult mature way, but in the adults who have to deal with adult things like rent and work and all that stuff. Sure. 
and a sort of dealing with like outside of school problems in the world. So I, uh, I knew at the time I sort of was coming up with the idea that I was reading a lot of uh, some other webcomics I really enjoy. Uh, Sleepless Domain is another great Magical Girl webcomic. Hmm. Shattered Starlight, which also is another Magical Girl who's an adult. And I really liked gravitated towards that idea and wanted to sort of have have that kind of story with my own spin on it, hmm. which I think having a main character who also sort of reflects my own identity in some kind of way, although very different ways in other kinds of aspects of her personality. Hmm. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> great. <laughs> so um, from there, I guess, uh, when did you start releasing the comic? Uh, I started uh, releasing the comic about two years ago in 2019. I started working on the comic October of 2017 and Mm. worked on it for about a year before I started launching it. And the update schedule, I think, was originally like once a week, sometimes once every other week, because at the time I had a two and a half hour each way commute by train. And the entire web comp was drawn on an iPad on the train. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Wow. That's so perfect. That was really a great way to use your time. (laughs) Exactly. And I really started developing the ideas for the story in a different comic. So a lot of Kate Blass was actually ideas from a previous comic recycled and ran with. And like from that original idea, there's not that much remaining in the story. But I started working on the story around the same time that I came out and transitioned five years ago. So it was a lot of me trying to figure out, okay, these are all this, these things that I've always wanted to do, but was held back for various reasons or like held back by my own like mental blocks on things mm-hmm. that transitioning personally released a lot of those mental blocks of, oh, wow, I can actually focus on things and I can actually run with these stories that I've had in my head for years. Hmm. Great. Okay, so that was about two years ago. And so how are things going now? Are you still releasing at the same rate? It's mixed because about a year ago, uh, I switched to going to twice a week because I, I moved about a year and a half ago so that my commute, my two and a half hour commute turned into a half hour commute. So all of a oh, sudden, <laughs> I had a lot of time to work on my comic. Hmm. I went to twice a week. And then obviously things in the world changed a year ago. Yes. And due to various stressors and several burnouts, I'm currently on a hiatus right now, but that is to redo sort of how I personally approach the comic making process so that Mm. I can prevent future burnouts so that I can keep making the comic I like. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's very important for us to figure out our own pace, especially for something that we're often doing in our free time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know outside of comics, I have a full-time day job. So it's working on comics in the evenings. It's trying to balance, okay, how do I make sure I get all the comic work done that I want, but also make sure I take time to recharge and take in other kinds of media that also will future inspire me yeah definitely and i think uh, one of the best things that i've done so far is earlier i didn't actually have all of the story completely written Mm -hmm. and scripted 
And when I went on hiatus a couple of months ago, that was my first goal. Sit down and script the entire comic. So that now all I have to do is just draw it, which is which is also a little difficult. But I have everything written and I know where it's going. Right. Having that part of the process changed definitely helps me a lot hmm. with the art process, because then I'm not writing while I'm drawing. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it's good to kind of separate those out. After all, with the professionals, it's often the work of multiple people so oh absolutely and you know webcomic creators wear so many hats and <laughs> yes before we continue on what would you say briefly Cape Blast is about so Cape Blast is about this ancient relic that comes to earth through some weird circumstances outside of earth's purview and these celestial beings have chosen the main protagonist, Kate, to help them sort out their personal problems from their part of the galaxy. And that's just the best way I can say it without giving spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly over the course of time, Kate interacts with more people who can kind of attune with the energy of this relic called the Burning Heart, uh, one of which is a non-binary demon named Sonia who is falling in love with Kate and they're kind of getting this romantic thing going, but Mm -hmm. they're not quite sure sort of where they're personally going in relation to their own magical journey because Sonia becomes a magical person. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot intertwined with Sonia personally and the Burning Heart that they quite haven't figured out yet why they're so gravitated towards that. And there's a lot of identity figuring out going on between not only Kate, who had a dream that she wanted to achieve taken away from her because of the burning heart. And then Sonia trying to figure out things that they don't really know about themselves, but are discovering. It's about basically those two characters and a couple of their friends and another magical person who's going to be introduced shortly. And sort of their journey on that. At the same time, they have to sort of stave off these alien cat people who have a very personal tie to the Burning Heart. Hmm. And they believe it was stolen from them and would like it back. <laughs> hmm. Whether it means taking it uh, sneakily or taking it via massive force. And there's a dynamic between the admiral of the alien armada uh, antlia and his brother pixis uh, who's the sort of intermediary being who's came to earth first to try and find the burning heart Hmm. so they have this dynamic of competing agendas on what they want with the burning heart Hmm. honestly pixis is one of my favorite characters to write because he's so morally complex and it has this a lot of this moral gray area that I'm excited to explore a lot of sort of where his motives aren't necessarily from a bad place. They just might not be executed in the best way. <laughs> mm. Okay, great. Uh, so this is a magical girl story, but it's a magical girl story that also has demons and uh, werewolves, aliens, cat aliens. It's like, it's got everything in at once it's very interesting to have this big 
amalgamation of all kinds of speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. I know growing up, I really liked sci-fi. And uh, I know, like I mentioned, when I got back into anime, one of the studios that I fell in love with both stylistically and sort of in the way they write is a lot of shows by Gainax and Studio Trigger, mm. specifically Neon Genesis Evangelion. Promare is the latest great example of this, where those studios really are self-aware of how over the top they are, mm-hmm. and then they lean in. <laughs> <laughs> And I've always loved that energy of when you think this is so insane, this must be the climax, and then it gets more. Um, (laughs) So I've always loved that energy of we're starting at 11. It's going to get higher. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, To be honest, I have not seen Promare yet, but I have a lot of friends who love it. And it definitely looks like high camp, so... It is very high camp. Yeah. <laughs> it is extremely self-aware and I love it. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. There's just like so many things going on in Cape Blast and it's really interesting to see uh, this kind of like huge world with all these different things. And it's like on top of that, there's also magical girls. Mm-hmm. So it's and uh, magical people, as you said, uh, with Sonia. But it's going to be very interesting to see like how everything kind of works together and You've already given some hints as from stuff that has not been released yet. So that's exciting to look forward to, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm very excited to get into a lot of the mythology behind the magical powers. And I'm getting into that a little bit more in chapter four, which is coming up hopefully by the end of this year, hmm. where it really starts tying in the nature of the stars and the constellations and how sort of that connects all with earth and with specifically Kate, Sonia, Cam, and the others. Hmm. And it's all this celestial energy going on there with some new uh, challenges coming their way, but it's all tied to the stars eventually. Hmm. Sounds great. So um, who would you say is the target audience of Kate Blessed? So I would say anyone who really wants more LGBT stories that want a sort of different kind of LGBT story where it's just people existing in real life and dealing with things that aren't necessarily about them being LGBT. Yeah. Where I've liked the approach of, uh, as far as representation goes, being LGBT is a very core part of a queer person's identity. And I know this very much personally, but for so many people, it's not, the most interesting thing about them (laughs) not even close right so like for example kate is a trans woman but also was a fighter pilot and is now a magical girl Mm -hmm. so i think those things are a little bit more interesting than okay this is who she is that's great yeah so i really want to have those elements at least be visible like Uh, I know in chapter one, there's a scene where Kate shaves, where that's very much showing that she's trans, but in a very everyday scenario and not a way that sort of draws attention to it too much, um, sort of normalizing it. So really, it's I want to have stories that normalize, that just make being LGBT very normal and seem every day. Yeah, yeah. I definitely got that from reading the comic myself. Also, when when Sonia and Kate 
meet each other and introduce themselves, they include their pronouns. And it's, it's in a way that for me is very natural in queer spaces. It's something that's very common. Of course, I also do that on this podcast uh, as mm-hmm. a way to try to encourage normalizing it. But it, it's very good. I definitely noticed that as well with Kate's depiction. It's not the same where it's like, she is a trans woman. It's just, it just is, you know, it's, yeah. it's not talked about further, just that's her reality. And it's not really, it's not like the main crux of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's great to have that example. And of course, we should try to have that as well from everyone <laughs> and yeah. creators. Like, should, it, it shouldn't be just, uh, it shouldn't just be trans women, magical girl creators that do this exactly, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of good representation that can come from different angles. Yeah. I know there's there's a lot of discussion sort of in the community, but I personally believe that there should be more opportunities for good representation. Mm-hmm. Presuming people do the research and do the work to know. Yes, that's very important. <laughs> I know there's a saying, at least in the creative community, of write what you know. Mm-hmm. But I think what's often forgotten is you can expand what you know. <laughs> yeah exactly you can go out and learn like one of the things yeah. that i am not a veteran not even close i could not serve even if they made me to <laughs> so when writing kate's story as a veteran and having that as a core part of her being a magical girl mm-hmm. i know personally i was like okay i don't know a thing about this i'm gonna go talk to these people who I know who are veterans or have served a couple of which were already good friends. So it was very easy for me to pick their brains and just be like, how does this work? How do I display sort of what it's like in a way that's accurate, but still not put in the spotlight too much. Right. It definitely is true for, for all sorts of things. I mean, yeah, yeah, I have the same thing as well. Like I'm not trans, but I have many friends who are, and I keep them in mind when I am writing my own characters. Um, I will have in my comic this that I'm releasing this year, I do have a trans girl. She's um, oh, 10 yeah, years yeah. old. So uh... <laughs> she's a little baby, but um, I'm trying to do my best to make sure that I'm really responsible when writing this character because I know that there just still is not a lot of representation for a lot of groups within Magic yeah. Girls. And I know at least it's changing so much than now. And like, there's a lot more options now, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing that's especially great about these uh, online creators, which is part of why I wanted to always highlight them on this podcast is uh, Mm -hmm. having all of these independent creators gives us that opportunity to explore these things further. And I know for me as a, especially as a Japanese person, I've definitely, I mean, I've literally done sensitivity reading work um, with Mm -hmm. uh, other people who have Japanese characters or more specifically have Japanese characters. Yeah. You know, it's like you said, people can expand what they know. So I think it's very important to always be learning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great. So let's see. So this is your first webcomic, correct? Yes, it is. Hmm. I had a couple false starts over the number of years. Uh, I tried making one in high school, but I didn't. I'm Mm going to be honest. It wasn't very good, but (laughs) I liked it at the time and it kept me motivated, which I think is really what matters when you're just learning a craft. Sure. And when I first started 
making web comics more recently, I know uh, there's a big difference in the quality of sort of the art of Kate Blast versus uh, when you compare the early pages to the later pages or even some of the redrawn early pages. Hmm. And it was just uh, my best advice to anyone looking to start a comic or a web comic is the best way to learn comics is to make comics. And mm-hmm. the beauty of web comics is just go, just make the thing. You can always go back and change it later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really a great little kind of sandbox to explore these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, there's so many great things that you can do with web comics and adapt and just learn on on the fly. And you learn a lot about not only how to like draw or how to write, but you learn a lot about yourself, about your own process on, okay, approaching the pages. Cause like, I know there's a lot of discussions in, in the creative communities of three types of creators. There's more, obviously more than this and it's more nuanced, but like it can kind of boil down to people who are architects and like have the whole story planned and know exactly what's where this person is going to stand on this day on this panel and they know everything before they draw it um and then there's pantsters for people who just draw just go on the seat of their pants <laughs> and then there's a third one kind of in the middle uh, that's a gardener that kind of mixes the two where it's like they have some planning but also some just running with it hmm and I think all three are, can be very valid strategies for approaching. And there's some great works by people who take either approach mm-hmm. in web comics in particular. Yeah. But it's all about sort of figuring out what for you personally can make that work. Mm-hmm. Which of those um, comic artists are you, would you say? I am sort of halfway between a gardener and an architect. And that's... Oh, okay drifted more towards architect over the years i know when i launched uh cape blast i was very much going on the seat of my pants because i was like all right this is just 30 pages like knock this out real fast Hmm. and then i found some story nuggets and then i started to pull on those threads and like oops i have a full story now (laughs) (laughs) where um i think one of the things that if you're going by the seat of your pants um, you have to be ready to go back and make edits and make changes. Because hmm. there was a lot, at least in my own work, that in the first 10 pages were very clearly written for a story that was 30 pages long. Mm-hmm. And we're missing some elements of the longer story that changed after those first 10 or 15 pages. And I've since got back and edited things. And I'm currently redrawing the second scene in the comic. Oh, where it's the same same content, but just reworded a little differently to place a little more subtle clues on what's coming. Mm. But it's something that like, it's not a huge redraw, where I know it's like one of the uh, big fears is getting caught in redraw hell, uh, where it's <laughs> just like, well, okay, you're rebooting the comic for the fourth time. And I want to be personally very deliberate about okay these are the edits i'm making and these this is why Hmm. and i know i recently redrew the first four pages of the comic outside of the prologue Hmm. and those edits still are basically the same as the original pages just have more detail 
to set up future events. Hmm. So it's definitely one of those things where you got to be ready to go back and make, not be afraid to make those edits. And again, it's why web comics are wonderful. This great sandbox, as you put it, where mm-hmm. you can very much learn things in a very low stakes environment and say, okay, well, this didn't work. I'm going to go back and fix it. Definitely. Yeah. Sounds really great. So I guess I wanted to ask about if you were interested in doing other works. I mean, you clearly have a very vast variety mm-hmm. of interests other than magical girls so are you planning to do for example other magical girls in the future or things in other genres yeah uh, i have uh, another story that i have sat on the side for a graphic novel that i want to write in a number of years that i'm currently writing very slowly but i'm working through it that's kind of magical girl space pirate vibes Ooh, love it already i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, I kind of, uh, I describe it to my friends as Sailor Moon meets Muppet Treasure Island. Wow. All right. Let's go. <laughs> just, just wild. Um, but I also have made, I'm very, very involved in uh, anthology making. Mm. Through There's a local group where I am called the Boston Comics Roundtable, mm-hmm. which is the oldest, longest running comics meetup group in New England or whatever. Wow. And uh, before the pandemic, we met a lot in person and I met a lot of really wonderful people who helped me learn along the way, which is a wonderful way to sort of hone my craft. And one of the things that that organization does is it empowers people to make anthologies through the group. So I've been uh, one of the lead editors on two anthologies. Our most recent one was an anthology called Starbound. Uh, which is all space-based sci-fi stories. And they range from uh, some silly ones uh, to some borderline horror comics mm-hmm. and sort of capturing sort of the wide range of what comics in space sort of mean to the individual creators. And my first anthology was an anthology called Being True, where we just gave people the simple prompt of what does being true mean to you as an LGBT person? Hmm. And we got some really wonderful stories from, from people. We, we, it was mo it was, it was like 50% people in the greater Boston area. And, uh, but we also had, uh, some creators from Poland, a creator from Australia, a creator from Brazil. Wow. Put in their takes on things. And that anthology ended up getting nominated for a PRISM award, which was totally shocking because that was my first book that I ever published. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome, though. That's really Yeah. So it was really, really wonderful to see that sort of go wild out in the world. And one of the great uh, things that came from that was I was at a convention one year, about a year after the book came out, and someone came up to the Boston Comics Roundtable booth and said that they came out because of the book. Wow, that's so And that was one of the one of the most like I'm like, excuse me while I go in the back and cry. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's really, really great. Um so I'm definitely have a lot more anthologies in my future as well. The anthology making process is definitely a very cyclical, yay, I want to make an anthology. Down to, man, I can't wait until this anthology is done. And then back to, I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Mm, That sounds like a really great way, yeah, for a lot of creators to come together and, uh, yeah, do something that's clearly, yeah, very 
important for for people for the culture and so on. Yeah, and both anthologies really feature a lot of creators who are new, and this is often their first time being published in a book. Hmm. So I really personally really want to give new creators opportunities to get get out there and get experience in making stuff. Yeah. So that's always something that's just very, I'm very passionate about. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we haven't really talked about influences directly related to um, Kate Blast. Would you like to talk about those a little bit? Sure. There's a lot of weird influences that sort of uh, congregate around uh, the, into my story. The original plot, the, the main base plot line of Kate Blast, of the overall arc, is actually based on a song by Rush. Actually, two songs. It's the, the Cygnus X1 songs, or there's Cygnus X1 Book 1 and Cygnus X1 Book 2. There's a, it's prog rock. It's weird. <laughs> But the main plot of that is of those songs is someone is basically someone flies a spaceship into a black hole. And then this part two comes out the other side and things are weird. And that, I think, might give people some some things to chew on for later plots, because that is very important. But as far as stylization and writing, I really drove a lot uh, stylistically. uh, Yo-Yo Shinari uh, from Studio Trigger in in, uh, Gainax, that very fluid but still retro style was something i've always really loved uh, especially like fully cooly kill a kill gunbuster shows like that really sort of drove my style mm-hmm. and then uh mostly in art style but also in writing like i mentioned where just that turn it up to 11 <laughs> kind of writing yeah very influenced by that and more recently things like promare matica magic night ray earth I think uh, a lot of the magical girls shows that I really sort of drive inspiration from are the ones that are like really most into the we're going to succeed by sheer willpower alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's very much the case with uh, with Magic Knight Ray Earth, uh, where where the whole magic of that world is based on willpower. And I just I love that idea that you can be like, I'm going to will this thing into existence. (laughs) And I think that that ties a lot into the creative process, too, where it's like, this is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's actually a very good point. It's very similar to the creative process, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share or talk about regarding Kate Blast? Uh, no, I just uh, I know that personally, I'm looking to come back from the hiatus within the next couple months. I have most of chapter three penciled uh ready to ink and color so i'm hopeful that chapter three will at least be ready to go by early summer um and that we'll be back back at it but until then i know i'm going to be doing some minor tweaks but i recently reread my own comic which is always a weird experience <laughs> <laughs> and i think I'm, I'm very one of the i'm just very pleased with sort of the growth and progression there from the early pages to the later pages Hmm. and i think that any new creator can look at a lot of web comics and just always go to the first page and go to the last page and just be like one of the things i hear so much is uh creators going oh well i'm not good enough to launch yet i'm like yes you are launch do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah just go (laughs) yeah yeah i i think that's true for most artists i would say probably 
you know, everyone sees their own flaws the best more than anyone else. Yeah, one of the best sayings on that that I've heard is you shouldn't compare uh, your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Yeah, definitely. Because that's what you you see a lot on social media and everything. Yeah, all over for sure. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the same thing then with uh, with creating things as well. So it's true. We we want everyone to just make the thing that they want to make. <laughs> I kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had realized that, you know, like 10, 15 years ago when I was like creating all these ideas and things in, in high school and thinking, oh, I'm not ready yet. I have, I have to like finish art school. I have to finish all these things. And it's no... I could have started that at the time. That's a big same. Uh, I had a comic idea that I started writing in 2007. Mm. I drew one page of it in 2014. Wow. And then bailed on the project entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you can revisit it in the future. You never know. It's on a back burner because I like the core of the idea, but Mm. I wanted to just completely shift gears and be like, you know what? I'm too hung up on it. Mm. I need something different. Yeah. To get things going. And I'm very glad I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely understand. I mean, I think it's good to focus on one thing at a time as is, but goodness, uh, me in high school, I thought I was going to be the next like Neil Gaiman or something. I had so many different ideas <laughs> and uh, no oh, yeah. comics to show for it because I kept thinking I wasn't going to be ready. I don't know what I was waiting for. But... Yeah. And that's such a common, common mood. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So uh, I guess we can get to my favorite question, which is, uh, if you could be a magical person, what do you imagine you would look like? I imagine it would be some kind of like cyberpunk Victorian mashup. Mm. The best way I can think of it right now is sort of a mashup of like the the mechanical kind of uh, outfits from Simple Gear mixed with a lot of the more they're kind of regal the outfits from Attica hmm. uh, where they're very more a lot more sophisticated and like a little more elegant and a little more floofy and hmm. like kind of mixing the two a little more yeah that's what my magical person would look like great and do you know what kind of powers you would have Ooh, uh I would definitely want the the comic printer button <laughs> <laughs> The power is just like, I, okay, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna point, magic's gonna shoot, comic's done. Wow. <laughs> that would be the dream. Oh, uh, yes, yes, definitely. With a magical, a magical weapon is just a giant paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've found that very interesting. I mean, my main frame of reference is something like Precure, but we've definitely seen in the past yeah, in like both, uh, I guess mostly in animation, you'll see this there, whenever there's a chance for creators to kind of like dunk on themselves, you'll see these um, <laughs> really interesting uh, perspectives of like how they clearly wish things could be, which is really fun. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> for sure. I think it's something that a lot of magical girl creators would like to have. <laughs> it's just creative powers. Go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for talking to me today about yeah, Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Yeah. So um, where can people find you and your work and how can they support you? Yeah. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Rennie Player One and uh, they can find Kate Blast at uh, kateblast.com. 
and uh, there are links to my uh, my Patreon and my Kofi both on uh, on my website as well. Hmm. Yeah. Great, great. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, it's been really, really fun talking to you and getting to know a bit more behind the scenes. So yeah, thanks again yeah. for coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash With Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Oh,